So. Uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged that uh, six weeks in quarantine oh. is it's, uh, it's too long, isn't it, guys? <laughs> like, like oh. I knew whatever it is you did with that line, it was going to be like weak, but like... <laughs> That's bad even for you, man. Seriously. <laughs> like, it wasn't that bad, was it? it? It physically hurt me. Like, that's not the worst thing in the world, though, like, when you think about it. Uh, also weak, so... Uh, here, I'm only after waking up. Give me a chance to, like, warm up, like. <laughs> You're only out of bed, like. It's only half ten, clean it. Yeah. Which means that, like, I got up, what, four hours ago? Oh, my God. It's like, Clina, you're not serious. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone here. So, Casa de Flannery, don't get up at 7 a.m. on the dot for, you know, family calisthenics out in the front <laughs> garden, no? Yeah. Like, like, see, how hard is it to, like, maintain that level of quality for, like, the next hour or so? Like, so, like you've got it in you, Zara. Like, is, Katie, did you take your bitch pills this morning or something? <laughs> like, what's the story? Yeah, Kay, you're, like, getting, like, way worse with this whole, like, nerd chasm thing you've got going on. So... So like ner- nerdcasm is that supposed to be like like sarcasm, but like yeah, nerdy sarcasm, yes. Yeah, well, like oh, that's correct. that's just a serious drop in quality right there. <laughs> you, you guys, like Katie's the one being a dick. What are you piling on me for? <laughs> well, that's a little strong, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah's the I, dick. That's <laughs> not what I said, Katie. Well, like, it kind of is now though. Right? Okay, like maybe you. Maybe you are being a bit of a dick. Hey. Okay, like, that's what I'm talking about. That's all I'm after, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I just, I just take it that everyone is good and tired of this whole quarantine situation. That's, that's all I was saying. Yeah, like, it, it is getting a little old, you know, like, my, my focus is just, like, completely shot. No. <laughs> but, like, how, how can there be hope for the rest of us if you can't fucking see yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to fail the year. Oh, dude, Stop like, it. come on. In oh, fairness, though, like, that, does, that does make me feel a little better about, you know, how long it took me to get my notes together on the, the book this week. Yeah. No, not to mention the, the Moodle situation. I don't really want oh. to talk about that. Oh, God, like, hard same. Like, yeah, it, coursework, like, aside, like, the search feeling it kind of makes my two hour, like, breaks from, like, yeah, writing three lines of stuff to say on here. Not to mention, you know, the assignments that I, oh, my God, that, uh, I don't even want to think about that. But yeah, it's slightly less troubling if, uh, yeah, if, if you're not quite able to do it either, Sersha. Well, I mean, I'm, I am still able to do it. I think that's that's an important <laughs> you know, like that's, distinction to make. <laughs> fair enough. But like, you're an actual alien, and like, you have to force yourself to do it. Like, what, what, like, chance do us actual mm-hmm. mere mortals have? You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like, like Instagram ads. I mean, they are the actual <laughs> devil. That's all I'm saying. More, uh, more BTS merch, dude. Why? Why are you bringing oh, that up? Oh my god! Oh my god! Why am I bringing that up? Oh, Jesus. Oh, I forgot I said anything. Oh, my God. Uh, Has anyone discovered time travel in the last week? That would, that would, that would really, that would really help me out right now. Sersha, did you like create some sort of time machine? Please tell me you have. No, 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 Katie, you want to talk about BTS and I for one, I am here for you, my friend. Of course, let's talk about BTS. Let's do this. Blast you, Assassin's Creed. Stupid video games are rotting my brain. Why? Why? Okay. So, last week, RM and Hobby, you know, clearly, did a VLive. Um, so, like a live broadcast thing on that VLive app that you all know about because you all have it downloaded so that she's going to watch it as well. But let's just yeah, let's just pretend that she's done all it is. Um, but yeah, they did a VLive where they, they decorated some uh, some army bombs um, in real time. We got to customise along with them. It was, it was a lot of fun you know you know you should probably explain what what an army bomb is for our <laughs> listeners Chloe in case in case they're not aware why, why is this happening why it's, it's happening because I'm answering your very thoughtful question Katie that's what friends do it hurts me to think that you're so surprised that a friend would, would listen to you in this way friends answer each other's questions like this because they care about each other Katie I care about you that's why I'm doing this. No, why? Why? <laughs> and, and yes, yes, Sersha, yes, that's a very excellent point. Thank you for bringing it up. Why, thank you. No, 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 thank you. Like, what would we do without you, 
seriously. I mean, I mean, you're, you're too good. You're far too good. But I mean, I'm just, I am. I'm so excited to learn about lightstick history right now. <laughs> Why are my friends forsaking <laughs> Well, Why? well, you know, so in K-pop culture, you know, original K-pop bands, you know, with Sote G and boys, you know, being arguably the first iteration. <laughs> taught you the word iteration I don't understand you mean practice in this like being the first iteration oh god <laughs> you know fans of different bands you know they would use specifically colored blooms or mm-hmm. you know like wrinkles or paper mm-hmm. signs they'll be in a very specific color you know for their band so like if there were more than one band there like a showcase or something the band like they'd know how many their fans were there to like show support and all that good stuff then you know like then it moved on you know the late 90s early 2000s most bands you know they made the change to like color glow sticks you know mm-hmm, like the, mm-hmm. you know like you get at a rave or like a phone party or yeah. something you know which which is not without its charm okay. <laughs> take your word for it why what it doesn't seem like uh, why isn't this over yes why is the story not over yet <laughs> Poor Katie. please please continue chloe oh well, yes i will thank you sarah mm, but of course <laughs> So, like, the first band, like, widely credited with, like, designing the light sticks that we know and love today. Like, so that's what they, like, okay, so if you had to imagine one, like, imagine if, like, the Statue of Liberty was, like, going to see her favourite band and, like, had customised her torch accordingly. That's what we're talking about, okay? So, like... Yeah, Big Bang. We're we're the first ones that um yeah that did that. I think uh, their one might have been called like the Bang Bomb or something. Don't really care. But like as a reminder, <laughs> Big Bang are the band where that leader guy is the bloke that puts bulldog clips on his hats, and Sarah is bit into. Okay, so like no. Um, yeah, Big Bang are great, and that's G Dragon. He's very famous. He's like best mates with Pharrell. You know his name, Chloe. <laughs> but like, no, I am not skinny or stylish enough to be a proper Big Bang fan. There's like a very specific uniform, uh, and I don't fit into it. Oh, I don't know that that's fair, Sarah. I mean, like, it, everybody's into the Big Bang. Everybody, you know, knows Fantastic Baby. You know, it's, you don't have to dress like that to, no. you know. No, dude, like, it's it's not the same as being a winner fan. It's not it's not the same as you inner circles. <laughs> I suppose I do if I, if I did want to dress like mine I just would have to wear like a rubber apron so. oh, oh my no 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 no. it's because he paints <laughs> real talk boy's got skills oh, he's so dreamy saying. he's so dreamy <laughs> we were gonna talk about books <laughs> Katie just put first lipsticks <laughs> okay so the army bomb is the BTS lipstick obviously and many armies uh, or BTS fans for, for those of you that are unaware of that term. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Sarah. So, yes, many armies customize their army bombs by, you know, painting them, <laughs> adding charms, diamantes, all sorts of shit. And, uh, yeah, your boys had a, had a go at it themselves this week. Uh, well, yes, they had a go. It was not what I would call a successful go, <laughs> you know. There's, no, in fairness, there's an argument for Hobie's effort being, like, pretty good, but my main man, RM, oh, my God, you just damn-jeoned all over it, like, and not, and not in the good way, you know. <laughs> like, nobody knows or cares what you're talking about right now. I do, I do, I know, I know what it means. And I, I don't, but, like, I'm... I'm still sort of here for it, to be honest. <laughs> so say, like, shut up, Katie. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you could tell that my boys did not pay for them army bombs. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And do you have your own army bomb? No, no, I do not, Sersha. Thank you for asking. No, I do not. But I am now very interested in purchasing one and customizing it appropriately. Anything in uh, particular you were thinking of uh, of doing with it, Chloe? I thought we were friends, man. <laughs> oh, well, there's a sort of Victorian thing I was thinking of, like sort of like paint it gold, like paint the handle gold. You don't paint the top of the army bomb. You don't paint the light of the army bomb. RM. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going to change the color and the blue tube. Oh my god. You just he ruined it. But yeah, I'd paint it, paint the handle like gold and like make it all cracked and stuff. Like, like maybe like varnish on some of that decoupage shit. Oh. I think that'd be real nice. That sounds gorgeous. Right? Or I was thinking of like getting like loads of like watch parts and like gluing them on to make it like a steampunk kind of situation. Oh, oh, okay, like, like now this is now officially 
a personal attack like why would you take something as undeniably cool as like steampunk and put it on a boy band's piece of merchandise like that is not okay chloe you have got to stop this a, a, a personal attack a personal attack katie I, I must have missed the press release for you getting like exclusive rights to you know watch gears and teeny teeny tiny top hats that serve absolutely no purpose uh, and loads of belts for absolutely no reason right like, like, I like the way it looks like when they're sewn into them frilly skirts and all, but like, what purpose could they possibly serve? <laughs> like, probably the same purpose as, I don't know, the random playing cards attached to their, you know, steel-boned bodice that must be very comfortable <laughs> to wear while piloting an airship. <laughs> it is killed on, fairness. Which is exactly why it shouldn't be used as a concept to customise a piece of band merch. Jesus. <laughs> okay, dude, like... <laughs> It's been 10 minutes, man. You do realise the more you fight Chloe on this, the longer this conversation will be. Plus, you know, you may have the added bonus of her turning her army bomb into an actual steam parrot airship, which which actually would be pretty cool. Like, Chloe, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Real talk, just, okay. I mean, I, I will learn engineering just to piss you off. That will happen. <laughs> I mean, like, can, well, can we just, like... <laughs> talk about the book then <laughs> like will you be able to talk about the book and give up on your life at the same time like, I don't I don't know is <laughs> the thing this is genuinely where the whole series has been headed real talk like Chloe did you just like record that phrase and set it to play like every few minutes oh god that'd be the best idea ever <laughs> fairly sure that like if you just had that and like some random swearing like Chloe it'd be like you were here the whole time if you just like set it to play regularly uh, you want to go, Miss 6am? Come on, I can go. <laughs> no, no, it's just, I just wanted you to have a workable solution for like needing to pee while we're, you know, doing doing the show. That is interesting, Cleana. That is very interesting to me for, as you know, I do have a prohibitively small bladder. <laughs> That's why you said it. Chloe. That's riveting. As riveting as Chloe's bladder is. Real talk. Ah! Oh, God. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, to this week's book. Uh, it's the big one, you guys. It's uh, it's Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. All right, all right. We're going to be making I think it's pretty safe to say we all went into this one with uh, preconceptions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it's one of my favourite stories, like, ever. Like, seriously. I mean, oh, my God. It's just, it's so funny. It's so well-paced. It has, like, oh, just the best characters. Oh, oh, my God. I just love it so much. How many times have you read it, Sersha? Well, that's interesting, actually. I've only read the book two or three times, but I've watched, like, the BBC series, which is incredibly true to the book. Oh, I don't know. How many times? 20? <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. We don't get, like... Forward, no? Yeah. Oh no no. It's like going to see like an old friend or something. Like ugh, seriously, it's honestly the best. Like reading the book again this time, I just kind of saw the series playing out in my head all over again. It was oh it's just so lovely. But like, is that not like a bad thing? Does that not like get in the way of you enjoying the book like properly? Well, like, I could see that point of view, but I I don't know, like because like with a movie or something, you know, there's going to be stuff like left out and like maybe they're going to change the tone of the story a little you know depending on how they want to direct it and stuff but like the way that that BBC series was written and acted and in my opinion anyway it was just it was just perfect you know in it was just completely in line with what was in the book I remember me ma watching it and I was thinking that Jane wasn't good looking enough like you know the Keira Knightley film for Pride and Prejudice I remember like the girl that plays Jane being like like a full on riot and like so everybody talking about how much of a riot Jane is made way more sense than in that BBC one that was that was an issue that I had in my limited exposure to it <laughs> no, I, I don't know what it is about Kira Knightley and it's definitely like really unfair and kind of anti-feminist of me but like I really don't like her <laughs> would you say hmm. you're prejudiced against Kira Knightley <laughs> Katie would ya <laughs> Are you you doing Chloe's wiggly eyebrow, I just said a thing that you should react to thing? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) I hate all of you. That's a hate crime, K.E. Hating someone and a hate crime are two very, very different things, Chloe. Come on. Yeah, like for me, maybe, but like hating cleaner is a hate crime. Okay, Chloe. Uh, Um, Will we do the book blurb? Ting, will we? Yeah, yeah, good, good call, Clee. Um, you want to take it? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, it's the, fr- oh yeah, I see it. Yes, it's attachment. Um, 
Okay. With its light and bright and sparkling dialogue, its romantic denouement and its lively heroine, Pride and Prejudice is Jane Austen's most perennially popular novel. The love story of Elizabeth Bennet and Fitzwilliam Darcy, who misjudge, then challenge and change each other, is also a novel about the search for happiness and self-knowledge in a world of strict social rules where a woman must marry well to survive. Austen's most famous novel, The Delightfully Witty Courtship of Elizabeth Bennet and Fitzwilliam Darcy, is brimming with character, playfulness and irony. Impeccably crafted in flawless prose, Pride and Prejudice remains one of the jewels in the crown of English literature. Aces. Cheers, Clay. No hassle. Yeah, so we were, we were talking before the show about how we weren't really sure, well, all of us except Saoirse, um, uh, we weren't sure if this one would uh, would live up to the hype. Or like, not even like live up to the hype, but like, yeah, we had like a bunch of preconceptions about it. Like, this is a book that people study in school, you know, that kind of made it like a textbook and not a novel like in my head kind of yeah it's weird like because like clearly we read all the other Jane Austen books that are available and like they were all like class you know so like if this one is the best one according to like everybody this one should have been real like oh yeah I can't wait to read it but yeah the fact that it like shows up on exam papers kind of (laughs) made it seem like a school book like before I started it at all it's weird yeah but like in fairness, like once you're halfway down to fourth page, you're a bit like, oh, okay. Okay, this is how it's going to be. This is what we bring in. Okay, Jane Face, bring it on. I'm here for it. <laughs> Jane Face. Yeah, we're close like that, me and Jane Face. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just how we get down. You'll, you'll get there someday, Clean. <laughs> I appreciate that, Chloe. I do. <laughs> but yeah, um, that first chapter, which again, not that long, similar to, to the situation we had last week. Um, it's, it's a cracker. Um, and I think we do we do need it here in our lives. So, um, Sersh, given your vomit-inducing excitement at it the whole Pride and Prejudice situation, <laughs> um, would you like to take this one? You mean it? Really? No fooling? <laughs> hey, what, like no one's going to pull Sersha up on the whole sarcasm thing? Jesus. Well, like she's like still real cute when she does it. You just kind of sound like... An arsehole. Real talk. Oh, there it is. That's a callback. Katie, that's what that's called. This is legitimately bullying. Yeah, it's for your own good. We're building your character for you. Okay, before this descends into full on Katie bashing. Yes, thank you, Sarah. Oh, well, don't drag me too far into it now. I mean, you could you could really hurt my, my approval rating. Oh! Get you, Sarah! Oh, there it is. But, search if you're okay to get us, uh, get us acquainted with the family, Bennett. Uh, sure thing. Um, yeah, 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 here it is. Okay. Um, mm. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. However little known the feelings or views of such a man may be on his first entering a neighborhood, this truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered the rightful property of some one or other of their daughters. My dear Mr. Bennet, said his lady to him one day, have you heard that Netherfield Park is let at last? Mr. Bennet replied that he had not. But it is, returned she, for Mrs. Long has just been here and she told me all about it. Mr. Bennet made no answer. Do you not want to know who has taken it? cried his wife impatiently. You want to tell me and I have no objection to hearing it. This was invitation enough. Why, my dear, you must know. Mrs. Long says that Netherfield is taken by a young man of large fortune from the north of England, that he comes down on Monday in a chase and four to see the place and was so much delighted with it that he agreed with Mr. Morris immediately that he is to take possession before Michaelmas and some of his servants are to be in the house by the end of next week. What is his name? Bingley. Is he married or single? Oh, single, my dear, to be sure. A single man of large fortune, four or five thousand a year. What a fine thing for our girls. How so? How can it affect them? My dear Mr. Bennett, replied his wife, how can you be so tiresome? You must know that I'm thinking of his marrying one of them. Is that his design in settling here? Design? Nonsense! How can you talk so? But it is very likely that he may fall in love with one of them, and therefore you must visit him as soon as he comes. I see no occasion for that. You and the girls may go, or you may send them by themselves, which perhaps will be still better, for you are as handsome as any of them. Mr. Bingley may like you the best of the party. (laughs) My dear, you flatter me. I certainly have had my share of beauty, but I do not pretend to be anything extraordinary now. When a woman has five grown-up daughters, she ought to give over thinking of her own beauty. 
In such cases, a woman has not often much beauty to think of. Nice. But, my dear, you must indeed go and see Mr. Bingley when he comes into the neighbourhood. It is more than I engage for, I assure you. But consider your daughters. Only think what an establishment it would be for one of them. Sir William and Lady Lucas are determined to go merely on that account, for, in general, you know they visit no newcomers. Indeed, you must go, for it will be impossible for us to go to visit him if you do not. You are over-scrupulous, surely. I dare say Mr. Bingley will be glad to see you, and I will send a few lines by you to assure him of my hearty consent to his marrying whichever he chooses of the girls. <laughs> Though I must throw in a good word for my little Lizzie. I desire you to do no such thing, <laughs> because he, he would do that. <laughs> Lizzie is not a bit better than the others, and I am sure she is not half so handsome as Jane, nor half so good-humoured as Lydia, but you are always giving her the preference. They have none of them much to recommend them, replied he. They are all silly and ignorant like other girls, but Lizzie has something more of quickness than her sister's. Mr. Bennet, how can you abuse your own children in such a way? You take delight in vexing me. You have no compassion for my poor nerves. You mistake me, my dear. I have a high respect for your nerves. They are my old friends. I have heard you mention them with consideration these, oh, 20 years at least. You do not know what I suffer. But I hope you will soon get over it and live to see many young men of 4,000 a year come into the neighbourhood. It will be of no use to us if 20 such should come, since you will not visit them. Depend upon it, my dear. When there are 20, I will visit them all. <laughs> Mr. Bennett was so odd a mixture of quick parts, sarcastic humour, reserve and caprice, that the experience of three and 20 years had been insufficient to make his wife understand his character. Her mind was less difficult to develop. She was a woman of mean understanding, little information and uncertain temper. When she was discontented, she fancied herself nervous. The business of her life was to get her daughters married. Its solace was visiting and news. She is such a panic. Like, seriously, I just can't. Like, there is stiff competition for the best character in this book, but like, she is right up there with the best of them. Mm. No, seriously, like part of me does want to stick with like Mrs. Bennett right now and talk about just how class she is. But like that could be a whole episode genuinely on its own. She is such a legend. Like so yeah, we we discussed this yeah before the show and we've got we've got an overall outline for like all the characters because we thought that that might be the the best way to to go at it. so deadly like (laughs) because they're all so deadly yes Chloe (laughs) this is the only way for us to get all of them in here without like scrimping on the relationship between like Darcy and Lizzie not to mention you know Lizzie's whole personal growth arc situation Uh, excuse me are we just gonna like ignore the usage of the word like scrimp right there yeah yeah I, I also had a question on that your question being just like scrimp really Nice. Nerds. Sarah, can we talk about all the people because they're well better than like Trina and Katie? <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> anyway, okay. So our young gentleman of four or five thousand a year that was mentioned by our dear Mrs. Bennett. Um, so he does indeed come to take Netherfield and is a young Mr. Bingley. Um, he comes with his two sisters, a Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, both very well-to-do ladies who think they are absolutely all that. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, he also brings his uh, close personal friend, uh, Mr. Darcy. Chloe? Yeah, I know. I should be, like, I'm so torn. Like, I should be saying he's a prick, but, like, <laughs> but, like, is he, though? Like, that's, that's such personal growth, Chloe. Well, I mean, the book is just wall-to-wall personal growth, isn't it, Clay, though? Uh, I'm amazed that that is not a quote on the back cover of the book itself. Pride and Prejudice is wall-to-wall personal growth. Chloe Cullen, quarantine 2020. <laughs> <laughs> You're not need to write it to make that happen. Come on, girl. Get keyboards out. Well, before all of that, or maybe after, I don't know. Um, anyway, yes, Mr. Bingley is introduced to the Bennett family, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, who we've already met, and their five daughters. So we've got Jane, gorgeous, gentle, so nice she might murder an entire family one day. That's the only kind of explanation for how kind and self-sacrificing she is right now. Um, also called Jane. Uh, this didn't like twig with me for ages. Is that the, is that the phrase twig with me? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, anyway, 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 uh, the penny didn't drop. That's one that is definitely a thing um, for ages that like Jane Austen named the super hot daughter after herself 
That's right. baller, man. <laughs> For real. Come on, like. <laughs> but then we've got Elizabeth, or Lizzie, as she's known throughout the book. Um, slightly less gorgeous than Jane, but still a legend. Uh, smart, funny, not nearly as kind as Jane, which we kind of like. Um, we all want to spend an hour with her in a River Island changing room, like trying on the stupidest stuff we can ah. find before like oh going for coffee to talk shit about everybody else we know. Like she's that kind of girl. Love it. <laughs> and then we've got uh, we've got Mary, the uh, most serious person we've ever read about. Mm. Um, isn't at all good looking and decides to take refuge in being a lady scholar. Mm. Um, this should be awesome, but it has her coming across as like really boring, which. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know how we feel about that. It's, yeah. it's yeah. kind mm. of meanness. It's not great. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, and then we've got um, Kitty, um, young, easily led, not that bright, but sure, she's she's a lovely girl altogether, oh. huh? <laughs> and then we've got Lydia, um, the nineteenth century's actual Helen Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't get that reference, shoot back to our series on Marion Keys um, because you need Helen Walsh in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Lydia, true. high-spirited, no self-control, would 100% start a fight with the bouncer when he says she can't take her shoes off on the dance floor. That <laughs> would genuinely happen. As she absolutely should. Like, oh my God. I genuinely can't figure out if I love Lydia or like Helen Walsh more. Like, for real. Really? Like, Lydia was such a baby. Yeah, like, I kind of dig that. Like, you have to respect someone that goes all in on, like, really, really stupid stuff like that. I will never understand you. Nor should you, okay? <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so our Mr. Bingley is uh, very taken with Jane Bennett and everything looks like it'll be uh, wedding bells for them in no time when all of a sudden Mr. Bingley is whisked away to London and no sign of him ever coming back. So it looks like it's Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley's sisters that kind of arranged it given that they were just horrified that Bingley could end up marrying into a family of, you know, country people. You know, bog savages. Is that like that's like a muck savage but in yeah, in, in the, the bog. bog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Precisely. Wow. You're you're like a wordsmith, Clay. I just speak for my people, you know. <laughs> so once uh, so yeah, we've gotten Bingley taken care of. We have our second wave of characters. Our super junior characters. <laughs> They're a second wave K pop band. I'm not, um Katie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna engage. <laughs> but yeah, our our super junior uh, era characters are uh, Mr. Collins, a <laughs> um, distant male relative that will receive the Longbourn estate after Mr. Bennett's unfortunate demise. Um, our favourite Mr. Collins moment uh, when he answers Mrs. Bennett's question about whether his uh, his benefactress's daughter. So, so um, Mr. Collins is a clergyman and the parsonage that he serves um, was bequeathed to him by one uh, Lady Catherine de Bourgh. So right now he's talking about Miss Anne de Bourgh, um, Lady Catherine. Catherine's daughter and Mrs. Bennett has asked her um, whether Miss Anne has been presented at court. So, yeah, has she been presented? Uh, I do not remember the name among the list of ladies at court. Um, her in, this is Mr. Collins now, uh, her indifferent state of health unhappily prevents her being in town. And by that means, as I told Lady Catherine one day, has deprived the British court of its brightest ornament. Her ladyship seemed pleased with the idea and you may imagine that I am happy on every occasion to offer those little delicate compliments which are always acceptable to ladies. I have more than once observed to Lady Catherine that her charming daughter seemed born to be a duchess and that the most elevated rank, instead of giving her consequence, would be adorned by her. (laughs) These are the kind of little things which please her ladyship and it is a sort of attention which I conceive myself peculiarly bound to pay. (laughs) You judge very properly, said Mr. Bennet, and it is happy for you that you possess the talent of flattering with delicacy. May I ask whether these pleasing attentions proceed from the impulse of the moment or are they the result of previous study? (laughs) They arise chiefly from what is passing at the time, and though I sometimes amuse myself with suggesting and arranging such little elegant compliments as may be adapted to ordinary occasions, I always wish to give them as unstudied an air as possible. <laughs> and then we've got uh, we've got Lady Catherine de Bourgh who we oh, just spoke yeah. about so yeah mm-hmm, Mr. Mm-hmm. Collins' benefactress um, Miss Anne de Bourgh's mother and interestingly Mr. Darcy's 
aunts. So yeah, they're related too. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, favorite moment with Lady Catherine. Oh man. So Lizzie um, is visiting Rosings. Um, so so the, the, the house where Lady Catherine uh, lives and which Mr. Collins's parsonage is, is attached. Um, so Lizzie is visiting there and um, she is favoring everyone with uh, some music on the uh, the pianoforte. Uh, she's speaking to one Colonel Fitzwilliam, um, who, who we'll meet in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so Lady Catherine um, has some questions for uh, for the folks in the room. Um, what is it that you're saying, Fitzwilliam? <laughs> what is it that you're talking of? What oh are you God. telling Miss Bennett? Let me hear what it is. Oh my God, Sarah. <laughs> you're speaking of music, madam, said he, Jesus. when no longer able to avoid a reply. Of music? Then pray speak aloud. It is of all subjects my delight. I must have my share in the conversation if you are speaking of music. There are few people in England, I suppose, who have more true enjoyment of music than myself or a better natural taste. If I had ever learnt, I should have been a great proficient. And so would Anne if her health had allowed her to apply. I am confident she would have performed delightfully. How does Georgiana get on, Darcy? Mr. Darcy spoke with affectionate praise of his sister's proficiency. I am very glad to hear such a good account of her, said Lady Catherine. And pray tell her from me that she cannot expect to excel if she does not practice a good deal. I assure you, madam, he replied, that she does not need such advice. She practices very constantly. So much the better. It cannot be done too much. And when I next write to her, I shall charge her not to neglect it on any account. I often tell young ladies that no excellence in music is to be acquired without constant practice. I have told Miss Bennett several times that she will never play really well unless she practices more. And though Mrs. Collins has no instrument, she is very welcome, as I have often told her, to come to Rosings every day and play on the pianoforte in Mrs. Jenkinson's room. She would be in nobody's way, you know, in that part of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going for the Oscars there or something. <laughs> See, she's like, she's like genuinely snatching wigs right here. It's so good. But Okay, and then other than that, we've got uh, we've got Colonel Fitzwilliam, who we just talked about. So he's lady, he's Mr. Darcy's cousin, Lady Catherine's nephew. Um, interestingly, a total ride who's not that good looking, mm. ugly, sexy. Chloe, what? He is not handsome, but he has a very gentleman-like address. <laughs> oh, Does God. he not, Sir <laughs> Very true. That's very true. <laughs> like, <laughs> fine. <laughs> So, so we've got those are kind of the main characters that like we're going to they're going to come into the discussion about Darcy and, and Lizzie that we're going to have in, in the second half of the show. But like there's there's George Wickham. There's the gardeners. I mean, there's there, the gardener being the surname, not not actual gardeners. But um, yeah, like there's there's so much going on in this. But like there's no way we're going to get through all of it in an hour. Like it's, it's insane. But oh, my God. So those those are the main ones that we're going to talk about anyway. And you know what? Seeing as how we're pretty much halfway now and we've still not talked about our gorgeous Lizzie and Mr. Darcy. Um, Let's take a super quick break here and come back um, after these messages with uh, some actual conversation about uh, Pride and Prejudice. How how does that sound? So, here at Two Tours, one time we have had some inquiries about what PPA we're working with considering the current quarantine situation. Well, we're happy to report that Jono sprays that bandana he's wearing with bleach every day. So, that's what it looks like that. In addition, we did start off wearing gloves and all, but they were shit for changing tours. So, instead we put a protective layer of copy deck glue on our hands before a job. As an added bonus, it's, you know, deadly crack to pull off afterwards. And it does not get in the way of us changing your tires or your chain on your bike. So, do you need your tires or your chain changed on your bike? You know, you need to cycle in a two kilometer circle around your house. Pretty sure that's how that works. So yeah, if you do, give us a call. Our prices cannot be bad. Two tours. Watch out. Um, isn't copied exclude for like 
gluing carpet together. Yeah, like any fabric really should like someone call them to tell them that they could like really hurt themselves doing that. Yeah, like yes, yeah, somebody probably should. You guys, it's so mean. I I will call them. Ah, here, seriously, they're probably gonna have a go at you. Like, remember, remember Kickbox Arcade tried to tell them that they needed like a proper screwdriver that I couldn't keep using a butter knife to like take screws off a bike. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty bad actually. Here, we don't know for sure that it got as ugly as all that though. Like, we only had Kev's side of what went down. You know? Are you? Doubting the honesty of Kickboxer Kev's account, Katie, is that what's happening right now? You can't use the English language anymore. Is that is that what's happening? I speak with too much passion is the issue and uh, it makes the sounds come out like wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so like not to like interrupt. I don't even know what it is I'm interrupting here, but like we have barely gotten into the book we're supposed to be talking about and we already like weren't sure we were going to have enough time in an hour. So we should probably, should probably get cracking. Yes, yes, I quite agree. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? I quite agree. I'm kind of getting into character there, Thirsh. What? Uh, no, 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 no. It's good, sir. Here, why don't you give us some of your thoughts on on what we get to see in, in the relationship that uh, that sort of begins to grow between between Darcy and, and Lizzie as, as the book uh, picks up pace. Well, I mean, I I don't know that I want to, man. Uh, uh, Sirsh, come on. Sirsh, come on. You had that point about the judgment thing being a kind of the central, like, linchpin thing. I, I speak words real nice. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's not really what I... No, 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 it's fine. Okay, okay. Um, well, do you know what, Kleena? Um, clearly, you've got a, a really good handle on uh, on what Sirsh's point was. And um, why don't why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about it? Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your your handle on it there, uh, Clee, is exactly what uh, the way Sirsha would have would have put it out for us. Yeah, exactly. I, well, like, I wonder if you're going to do an even better job than Sirsha would have. Oh my god! Oh my god. Oh, you guys, I am not a four year old. I mean, come on. Aren't you, doll? Okay, so. Uh, the name of the book is Pride and Prejudice. Excellent start. Uh, like right out the gate. <laughs> and uh, so like what's at the centre of the book. Um, yeah, that's that's what's at the centre of the of that's the linchpin of the book is the pride and also also the prejudice. Oh my God, it's just, it's it's beautiful. The, the level of literary criticism happening right now. I'm not going to rise to this. So like when when Mr. Darcy comes to Netherfield, um, if I could say it correctly, he's very prideful. Yes. Yes, Kleena. Mm, mm, I must hear more. Please, uh, please continue. So, so as a result of that pride, he is, you know, looking down his nose at everyone in 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 Meryton and and the surrounding areas. So Lizzie, seeing him be this this proud, prideful, even, um, she develops a prejudice against him. Bravo, bravo! I mean, come on, where you couldn't pay for for you know a dissection of this book as good as that. I'm, oh I'm serious, God. like yeah, like seriously, I I completely I could not agree more, Chloe. I just I I must hear. I, I cannot. Wait to hear what else you have to say, Kleena. Well, the thing so they're judging each other, Lizzie and and Mr. Darcy, and that you know gets in the way of them. But they both they like each other, but they don't because of the pride and the and prejudice <laughs> as well as the pride. <laughs> oh my God, Kleena, you're like you're not this stupid. You're just doing this to get a rise out of me. Seriously, it's not going to work. And like they so talk, lords. They're around each other and they talk all the time, but they don't like each other because they're prejudiced. No, 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 no. Oh, very good. Oh, that's very good. It's hate flirting. It's hate flirting. That's the method that Darcy and Lizzie begin their relationship. No, 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 none of that. No, I won't have this time wasted when we could just, you know, be talking about the fantastic dialogue and wonderful story in this book <laughs> no no in fairness no in Whoa. fairness you know the dialogue is insanely good sorry <sighs> will we start with the you know the conversation in Netherfield about letters and stuff oh, see I knew you were 
pushing it off like <laughs> No, no, you're after starting, so there's no point in you stopping. Yeah, no? exactly. Go on, seriously, go on. Yeah. Fine, okay, so... Oh, fine. <laughs> so you know when there's someone you know and they're just like really easy to make fun of like you know like you're pretty sure you don't like them but they're always around and like anytime you see them you just like can't help yourself you like have to have a go at them you have legitimately never done that in your life dude you've like spent the last three weeks talking like every week about how Serge has been out here like clapping back at folks like a legend oh yeah but that's like quarantine Serge like like Saoirse's evil alter ego that only exists in FaceTime, you know? Yeah, like real life Saoirse that smells like Lenore, like can't go on like that. Okay, I don't know if it's weirder that you be like smelling Saoirse and committing the smell to memory or <laughs> if it's weirder that I know exactly the smell you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly along. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, of course I hate flirt with people. Everyone does, I think. And a lot of the time you're just there and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be making this much fun of them. But like, they're sort of like an easy target or like they kind of like deserve it or something for like a reason you've, you know, yeah, glommed onto or something. And like the fact that you don't like them or like you think you don't like them or you kind of like them, but they've got this big flaw or something, you know, it sort of feels like that makes it easier to come up with like really funny, but sort of like horrible things to say to them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you're such a bitch. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much how, you know, Lizzie and Darcy start off their relationship. You know, they're drawn to each other because they're both quite similar in temperament and like mental ability, you know, but like they both look down on the other, you know, Darcy at Lizzie's position in life, you know, she doesn't have that much money and her parents act pretty yeah vulgarly sometimes um and like lizzie looks down on darcy's kind of like lack of like breeziness you know just that he's not able to have fun and does look down on people himself you know and he would deem that very appropriate but she has an issue with it so there's like a section of the book in netherfield so it's yeah it's when lizzie is is visiting netherfield so um, Bingley, Darcy and Lizzie, they're talking and it's it's pretty much for a few pages. They're just hate flirting like gorgeously. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's good. <laughs> the powers of expression there, Chloe, are amazing. I'm choosing to take that at face value. So thank you, Katie. Thank you for that very much. <laughs> we should read it, but I shouldn't read it because I've, I've already read something. Oh, yeah. Good call. Um, Kay, you want to follow up? Uh, your killer performance from last week oh you flatter me but uh, yeah sure <laughs> um, so yeah 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 okay so Lizzie is at Netherfield because Jane was visiting um, to try to secure her man uh, but she got sick because it's the 1800s and that happens yeah. so Lizzie goes to stay and like nurse her sister back to health or whatever and while like Jane is in a fever coma or yeah whatever the hell um, Lizzie amuses herself with the other inmates of the house um, and on this particular occasion uh, Mr. Darcy is writing a letter um, favorite pastime of of the time because there was no telly. There wasn't. And Miss Bingley <laughs> is thirstily draping herself all over him and is this close to taking off her dress in an effort to get him to notice her. Yeah, real, real talk. talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dude>. oh, <laughs> all right. Okay. 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 Um, Oh, cried Miss Bingley. Charles writes in the most careless way imaginable. He leaves out half his words and blots the rest. My ideas flow so rapidly that I have not time to express them, by which means my letters sometimes convey no ideas at all to my correspondence. Your humility, Mr. Bingley, said Elizabeth, must disarm reproof. Nothing is more deceitful, said Darcy, than the appearance of humility. It is often only carelessness of opinion and sometimes an indirect boast. And which of the two do you call my little recent piece of modesty? The indirect boast, for you are really proud of your defects in writing because you consider them as proceeding from a rapidity of thought and carelessness of execution, which, if not estimable, you at least think highly interesting. The power of doing anything with quickness is always prized much by the possessor and often without any attention to the imperfection of the performance. When you told Mrs. Bennet this morning that if you ever resolved upon quitting Netherfield you should be gone in five minutes, you meant it to be a sort of panegyric... Sort of, okay, some sort of compliment to yourself. Let's leave out his stupid big word. Um, compliment for yourself. And yet, what is there so very laudable in a precipitance, I can say that one, oh, in a precipitance, nice. which must leave very necessary business undone, oh, Darcy, and can be of no real advantage to yourself or anyone else. 
Nay, cried Bingley, this is too much, to remember at night all the foolish things that were said in the morning, and yet, upon my honour, I believe what I said to myself to be true, and I believe it at this moment. At least, therefore, I did not assume the character of needless precipitance merely to show off before the ladies. I dare say you believed it, but I am by no means convinced that you would be gone with such celerity. Your conduct would be quite as dependent on chance as that of any man I know of, and if, as you were mounting your horse, a friend were to say, Bingley, you had better stay till next week. You would probably Bingley. do it and you would probably not go. And at another word, might stay a month. You have only proved by this, cried Elizabeth, that Mr. Bingley did not do justice to his own disposition. You have shown him off now much more than he did himself. I am exceedingly gratified, said Bingley, by your converting what my friend says into a compliment on the sweetness of my temper. But I am afraid you are giving it a turn to which that gentleman did by no means intend, for he would certainly think better of me if under such a circumstance I were to give a flat denial and ride off as fast as I could. Would Mr. Darcy then consider the rashness of your original intentions as atoned for by your obstinacy in adhering to it? Upon my word, I cannot exactly explain the matter. Darcy must speak for himself. You expect me to account for opinions which you choose to call mine, Ooh, but which I have never acknowledged. Allowing the case, however, to stand according to your representation, you must remember, Miss Bennet, that the friend who is supposed to desire his return to the house and the delay of his plan has merely desired it, asked it without offering one argument in favour of its propriety. To yield readily, easily, to the persuasion of a friend is no merit with you. To yield without conviction is no compliment to the understanding of either. Oh, you appear to me, Mr. Darcy, to allow nothing for the influence of friendship and affection. A regard for the requester would often make one readily yield to a request without waiting for arguments to reason one into it. I am not particularly speaking of such a case as you have supposed about Mr. Bingley. We may as well wait, perhaps, till the circumstance occurs before we discuss the discretion of his behaviour thereupon. But in general and ordinary cases between friend and friend, where one of them is desired by the other to change a resolution of no great moment, should you think ill of that person for complying with the desire without waiting to be argued into it? Will it not be advisable, before we proceed on this subject, to arrange with rather more precision the degree of importance which is to appertain to this request, as well as to the degree of intimacy subsisting between the parties? By all means, cried Bingley, <laughs> let us hear all the particulars, not forgetting their comparative height and size, for that will have more weight in the argument, Miss Bennet, than you may be aware of. I assure you that if Darcy were not such a great tall fellow in comparison with myself, I should not pay him half so much deference. I declare I do not know a more awful object than Darcy on particular occasions, and in particular places, at his own house especially, and of a Sunday evening when he has nothing to do." Mr. Darcy smiled, but Elizabeth thought she could perceive that he was rather offended, and therefore checked her laugh. Miss Bingley warmly resented the indignity he had received, and in an expostulation, <laughs> in an expostulation with her brother, bam, for talking such nonsense. <laughs> I see your design, Bingley, said his friend. You dislike an argument and want to silence this. Perhaps I do. Arguments are too much like disputes. If you and Miss Bennet will defer yours till I am out of the room, I shall be very thankful, and then you may say whatever you like of me. Whatever you ask, said Elizabeth, is no sacrifice on my side, and Mr. Darcy had much better finish his letter. Mr. Darcy took her advice and did finish his letter. Out of sexual tension in it. <laughs> like it is pretty cool, like that sort of like quality of trying to like catch each other out when you're in that kind of like slagging match with somebody. Right. And it's like the trying to catch each other out that sort of shows that they have like this like mutual respect for each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you wouldn't waste your best lines on somebody that like wasn't able for it or able to like give back as as much as they get, you know, like plus like the fact that their comebacks keep getting better and better, you have to like enjoy that sort of like sport of like trying to outdo each other in that kind of conversation it's it's got to be like super gratifying you'd have to think that like that's what like attracts Darcy to Lizzie to begin with like she's described as like really pretty and all as well as like being really witty and stuff but I wonder how much her being like so smart and quick and stuff like makes her more attractive that's interesting Say, say more things like that. <laughs> well, like, I'm watching Westworld again. Oh my God, you nerds, no one cares. <laughs> Look, come on. We had like a 10 minute monologue on the history of K-pop light sticks at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Dude, you got to spread it around. Yeah, but like, the public care about that. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. But for anyone that's not familiar, Westworld is a show on HBO and Sky Atlantic, now TV situation over here in, in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's about this Western themed um, amusement far- park filled with like Android type folks that the visitors can kind of do anything they want to. Um, what does that mean for the androids that live there and the people that visit? You'll have to watch to find out. <laughs> yeah, but like that girl, uh, Tessa Thompson is in it. Him? Oh, like Valkyrie from Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. But yeah, she's like, she's like super hot. But like, I don't know. I, I was looking at her and I was like, it's hard to tell what like the thing is that like makes her as attractive as she is. Like clearly she's really, really like pretty face and like she's yeah shredded and everything. But like it's uh, I was watching it in the sitting room one day and dad just kind of goes out of nowhere. Like I didn't even know I was in the room. He must have been passing through and he goes like there's nothing quite like when uh, a girl has like intelligent eyes like that. Jesus, he just he just said that out of nowhere. Yeah, daddy's a weird one that weird like I'm, I mean I know what he means though you know in fairness when it comes to Westworld I'm like all about Ed Harris Jesus sir like can you say daddy issues because I can oh, oh my god okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you mean but that's funny <laughs> oh my god dude <laughs> well, okay let's, let's move on from that um, but yeah I thought that that idea of like yeah intelligent in, like looking intelligent like or having a having a quickness or a, an energy in how you look at people I thought that, that was kind of like applicable for the whole Lizzie Darcy thing like he's always talking about her eyes and how they're fine eyes and how they're you know they sort of show up how clever and witty she is and stuff yeah it was just weird that that idea came up while we were reading the book this week yeah very cool no and I, I totally agree with you like I do I think this book is it's more about like a meeting of minds kind of or like like Lizzie and Darcy kind of like both meeting their match you know it's it's an intellectual thing more so than than like a chemical um not so much physical reaction because you don't really have physical reactions in 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 uh in Jane Austen books but or at least we're not really told about them but like <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah very much is an intellectual meeting of, of minds and, and that's where the attraction kind of comes from yeah no I totally agree with that and I mean just some of the exchanges that 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 creates oh my god like like in Rosings oh over the piano oh my god <laughs> which is actually ironically the uh, the next excerpt we have Clo Clo what do you think you want to take us to the Rosings drawing room are you are you messing? Like, oh, like seriously, like you can't move for all the pheromones in there. Like, oh, I just didn't know how Lady Catherine didn't like properly suffocate. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> but yeah, Lizzie. So this is like the same time that we were talking about with, uh, yeah, where Lizzie's like visiting Mr. Collins and his new wife um, and like is introduced to Lady Catherine. And yeah, she's all asking about, yeah, why can't she play the piano good and all? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this is one of the conversations between Mr. Darcy, Colonel Fitzwilliam and our gorgeous Lizzie uh, while she's playing the piano forte um, and not making, like, not making that many mistakes, like, in fairness. Right. <clears throat> when coffee was over, Colonel Fitzwilliam reminded Elizabeth of having promised to play to him and she sat down directly to the instrument. He drew a chair near her. Uh, Lady Catherine listened to half a song, then talked, as before, to her other nephew, Mr. Darcy, um, <laughs> till the latter walked away from her and, making his usual deliberation towards the pianoforte, stationed himself so as co- to command a full view of the fair performer's countenance. That means her face. Uh, Elizabeth saw he was down and at the first turned to him with an arch smile and said, you mean to frighten me, Mr. Darcy, by coming in all this state to hear me? I will not be alarmed, though your sister does play so well. There is a stubbornness about me that can never bear to be frightened at the will of others. My courage always rises at every attempt to intimidate me. I shall not say you are mistaken, he replied, because you could not really believe me to entertain any design of alarming you, and I have had the pleasure of your acquaintance long enough to know that you find great enjoyment in occasionally professing opinions, which, in fact are not your own. <gasps> Elizabeth laughed heartily at this picture of herself and said to Colonel Fitzwilliam, your cousin will give you a very pretty notion of me and teach you not to believe a word I say. I am particularly unlucky in meeting with a person so able to express 
that was my real character in a part of the world where I had hoped to pass myself off with some degree of credit. Indeed, Mr. Darcy, it is very ungenerous in you to mention all that you knew to my disadvantage in Hertfordshire. And give me leave to say, very impolitic too, for it is provoking me to retaliate and such things may come out as will shock your relations to hear. I am not afraid of you, he said smilingly. Pray let me hear what you have to accuse him of, cried Colonel Fitzwilliam. I should like to know how he behaves among strangers. You shall hear then, but prepare yourself for something very dreadful. The first time of my ever seeing him in Hertfordshire, you must know, was at a ball, okay? And at this ball, what do you think he did? He danced. Only four dances. Though gentlemen were scarce, and to my certain knowledge, more than one young lady was sitting down in want of a partner. Mr. Darcy, you cannot deny the fact. I had not at that time the honour of knowing any lady in the room beyond my own party. True, and nobody can ever be introduced in a ballroom. Well, Colonel Fitzwilliam, what do I play next? My fingers await your orders. Perhaps, said Darcy, I should have judged better had I sought an introduction, but I am ill-qualified to recommend myself to strangers. Shall we ask your cousin the reason of this, said Elizabeth, still addressing Colonel Fitzwilliam, the legend. (laughs) Shall we ask him why a man of sense and education and who has lived in the world is ill-qualified to recommend himself to strangers? I can answer your question said Fitzwilliam without applying to him it is because he will not give himself the trouble oh my drop whatever I certainly have not the talent which some people possess said Darcy of conversing easily with those who I have never seen before I cannot catch their tone of conversation or appear interested in their concerns as I have often seen done my fingers said Elizabeth, do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do. They have not the same force or rapidity and do not produce the same expression. But then I have always supposed it to be my own fault because I will not take the trouble of practicing. Mm. It is not that I do not believe my fingers as capable as any other woman's of superior execution. Darcy smiled and said... You are perfectly right. You have employed your time much better. No one admitted to the privilege of hearing you can think anything wanting. We neither of us perform to strangers. I mean, how did he just have the ride right there? I'll never know. <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> so, um, so, where, so where do we go? From there, where do we go from there? You guys? <laughs> like, I think, I think, yeah, it's pretty clear from from that. It's pretty clear that, like, yeah, Darcy is like definitely in love with Lizzie, but like, he's still like engaging in the whole like conversational acrobatics. He's still kind of looking down on her a little. Yeah, exactly. And like, Lizzie calls him on it. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, right. Like, so Lizzie calls him on his yeah pride acting out like, and and he makes a move to explain himself isn't it sad that like romantic letters explaining why like you were a dick and then making people like slowly fall in love with you like aren't a thing no more yeah but like now people send nudes so yeah that's it's pretty much the same thing isn't it well it's it's a similar result (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so lizzie has a go at darcy for being yeah a prideful asshole and looking down his nose at her which she wouldn't have had to do if he had acted in a more gentleman-like manner oh my god that was badass when she said that wasn't it she has like no fear like at all yeah like she she holds like everyone accountable like even herself yes 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 this is what i wanted to talk about so yeah so darcy has been held to task but then darcy gives lizzie an account explaining his asshole situation right and like it turns out that yeah like he's been a bit of an asshole but like Lizzie also has like jumped to like a ton of conclusions about him like yeah like she's like believed gossip and stuff maybe that's the best way to like put it right right she doesn't have the full picture about him she's heard different things from different people but she doesn't have all of of the pieces and um the thing is the pieces that she did have backed up her opinion that he was like a mean person and like looked down on everyone and never had anything worthwhile to say so it suited her to believe just what she had heard 
right and then like there's they're sort of thrown together again later on it's not really important to, to go through why but like he acts like really differently and the, the thing is like is it because of how she like gave him a dressing down and stuff you know like we don't really know that you know but the thing is he is acting in a more gentleman like manner and she now kind of has to question how she sees him you know and 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 yeah hold herself to task has she been unfair and she has to have that conversation with herself and she does really openly in the book and that's like really cool like because she's really hard on herself about it she says like really really clearly that she was wrong to cast judgment straight away because she kind of just wanted to hate him to have someone to hate and it was really yeah it was really crazy to see like a, a heroine person like be like yeah I was wrong that was not okay. Yeah, I've actually, I've got that uh, that excerpt here. It's like super short, but like, yeah, how, how despicably I have acted, she cried. I, who have prided myself on my discernment, I, who have valued myself on my abilities, who have often disdained the generous candor of my sister Jane and gratified my vanity in useless or blameless mistrust. How humiliating is this discovery? Basically, that Darcy's actually pretty sound. Um, Yet, how just a humiliation. Had I been in love, I could not have been more wretchedly blind. But vanity, not love, has been my folly. On the very beginning of our acquaintance, I have courted prepossession and ignorance and driven reason away where either were concerned. Till this moment, I never knew myself. Yeah, like, oh my God, that's just like so great. Like, just the idea of good and evil, it's often like really clearly defined in novels and films. Like any kind of story, especially romance, stories you know the girl is like downtrodden or like needs saving or is like the sassy go-getter type and, but they don't like do any they might make mistakes but like they don't set a foot wrong that they then have to take responsibility for but that's what happens here you know here Elizabeth she's this really super interesting character supremely likable you know she's yeah she's I think she's Jane Austen's favorite heroine like but she's still she made a mistake she she got it wrong she 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 admits admits it here that like she she pretty much willfully miscast this person in her mind so that she could like mistreat him and like be really nasty like to his face so she she sees that she owns it and she has no issue with like being really clear with herself yeah i was a bit of an asshole for a second there i need to be real with myself about that and like genuinely not do it again and try to make up for it you know and she's glad to know that she did it you know it sucks that she you know did the horrible thing but now she knows how she can like improve herself going forward and like she doesn't like take to her bed or anything you know thinking like oh no there's no way I can never you know face the world again oh the shame the shame instead she's just like okay I can't believe I did that but you know the only way to go about this is like forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember thinking that like fair play, Lizzie, like just taking on the chin, keep going, like just be better, you know, keep an eye on it. Because like you can't get it right all the time. You're going to like, like, and if you're going to be making jokes and just being, you know, genuinely socially amazing like myself, like Lizzie, you know, you're going to get it wrong. Sometimes you're going to step off, you know, a little bit too close to the line. But you know, you, you notice it when it happens. You say, oh, here, not okay. I won't do that again. I'm really sorry. I didn't know that that was a racist term oh, no, like, Chloe. <laughs> I will oh, never gosh. do that again <laughs> like what what do you guys mean like about like taking ownership what's what's this ownership thing I, like I didn't really see any issue with the way Lizzie acted what really yeah like she just she got Darcy wrong you know she found out that there was like extra bits to his character that there was no way she could have known about like she she could have asked him Katie she didn't have to like go off being all like oh a prick he's a prick forever now you know he could have been just having a bad day. I'm a bitch when I'm having a bad day. That is supremely true. What are you saying? <laughs> no, like, no, I remember reading that bit and thinking like how it was amazing that Lizzie just went about her life afterwards. Like all that stuff about how like she'd always taught that she was really smart and like a really good judge of people and stuff. But she was wrong about Darcy. I thought that sounded really like she'd get like really depressed. Like, oh man, I always thought I was able to do this stuff. But it turns out I'm crap at it. But she just kind of takes it for what it is, learns from it and like moves on. That was... That was unbelievable. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'd be with you on that, Clee. She's like crazy resilient. She's like, but, but at the same time, being like super honest about it. Like she's, but she, it doesn't change who she is. She doesn't like shake her sense of like who she is, which is pretty wild. Like she's, she's talking to Jane about it later on. And she has this little gem of a line where she's like talking about why she was such a bitch to him. Well, like, yeah, owning 
the fact that she was like 100% a total bitch. Um, yeah. And yet I meant to be uncommonly clever in taking so decided a dislike to him without any reason. It is such a spur to one's genius, such an opening for wit to have a dislike of that kind. One may be continually abusive without saying anything just, but one cannot always be laughing at a man without now and then stumbling on something witty. Like, that's just proper, you know, like, you know, when you're picking on someone and you know you're picking on them, but you just really want the laugh and like, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. And here, like, she's really clear about the fact that she she pretty much cast him as the bad guy so that she could do that. Like, he did behave wrongly as well. But just the fact that, like, she recognized that, that's so proper. Yeah, that whole being in a group thing and, yeah, picking someone to have a go at because, you know, you're going to get the laugh. That's, yeah, I'm not proud of that when that happens. Uh, do you... Did you say something, Kay? Hmm? No, 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 no. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, right. Like I thought anyway that you know, like Lizzie's relationship with herself, or like like questioning herself like that, like as a heroine who's like pretty much the heroine's heroine, you know, like sparkly, witty, brave, sticks to her sense of right and wrong, all that stuff. To have her like admit that she was wrong in a very real way about something and like aim to not make the same mistake again in future. Um, that was, yeah, that was pretty full on. Uh, probably, yeah, my favorite thing about the book. That and clearly Mr. Collins. <laughs> but n- no, seriously, like I thought it, I thought it also like increased the suspense with the whole like Darcy love story thing. Like when she learns this about herself, like will she get to see him again? Will she, you know, get to let him know that she was wrong and, and that she now sees him differently? You know, will he notice that she's changed? Will he like it? Does he still care about her? All those questions, you know, it's and that's without any of the other plot stuff that happens in the book. And there's tons so much that we haven't talked about yeah it's it's a lot to fit into 226 pages man yeah like when i was flicking through looking for like excerpts and quotes and stuff to talk about here like there was pretty much something important on like every page i looked at like and the plot moved so fast like seriously like it was proper like bam bingley and jane bam bingley's gone to london bam wickham shows up bam mr collins cruising for bitches bam jane goes to london bam lizzie visits mr collins and Miss lady Catherine. bam lydia goes to brighton with the regiment we didn't even talk about that oh my god lizzie goes to derbyshire with the gardeners and the unthinkable happens oh my god it's the best book ever <laughs> Stop, oh my god I can't believe like we're at the end of the show lads like this is crazy we're gonna have to make this a two-parter oh we were going to do it on anyway though right yeah that's true like we we had some companion texts to supplement our super fun reading of Pride and Prejudice one uh, so they're both novels both um, extra novels uh, that kind of come they've been written after Pride and Prejudice obviously one is The Longborn Letters by uh, Rose Servitova which is a series of letters between Mr. Bennett and Mr. Collins very excited to give uh, Mr. Collins all the attention he so clearly deserves next week and I mean Mr. Bennett who you know who might be, you know, the real leading man, if you ask me. Seriously, sir, like, daddy issues, man. (laughs) (laughs) The other one is uh, The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow, which uh, explores Mary Bennett's character, which is something I'm very interested in. Oh, yeah, I'm like halfway through it now, and it's just, oh, it's like wild. It's Well, it's not wild, because it's Mary, but, you know, it's it's super, super interesting, you know, to think about, like, her character, since, you know, she doesn't appear in Pride and Prejudice that often, and it does, yeah, it gives a bit of more depth to some some characters that might have been a little... Too, not two-dimensional, but we just didn't have very much time with them. Yeah, so yeah, if any of you guys listening want to get a head start in reading those uh, ahead of next week's show, go right ahead. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for the last in this series of Chicklet for Life Does Jane Austen. Woo! All right, woo! This week on Didoy, we get down and dirty with our callers on the only thing folks want to talk about. Um, okay, so how do I tell my brother that I can't handle it no more and he has to take a shower? If why are you, like, imposing your ridiculous girl standards on him? He doesn't have to go anywhere. There's no need for this. But they're not girl standards. They're human standards. I can smell him from downstairs. His door is closed. Well, like, I mean, that's just a lie. He's had the same lasagna stain on his hoodie for the past two days. He's still wearing it. I'm concerned that he's going to create a new biosphere capable of supporting life on there. But if he did, would he have a moral obligation to sustain any sentient life forms that were created? Well, I mean, would they have to be sentient? Like, what if he created a new type of algae, which is like definitely where this is going? And like, would it be okay to kill that? Like, would it have to be able to sing I'm Every Woman before we have to take any moral responsibility? 
Okay, this has gone to a very weird place, and it's not the broadly entertaining soundbite I had in mind when I got you two on. And it absolutely wasn't. But if you want to find out what the moral obligation is, in whatever it was we were just talking about, and, you know, various other, as yet, hypothetical situations, you gotta tune in, I guess. Dudoy. Thursdays.